Hello and welcome everybody. This is Abdullah, co-founder of Silverline Community and your host to the Mean Who podcast, the show that sheds light on the movers, shakers, and shapers of the creative and cultural industries. In our previous episodes, we covered transformation, experimentation, conceptualization within the creative and cultural industries. In this episode, we mark the beginning of a new theme, application. Creativity is at its most successful when a spark of an idea is bandied about and then fully developed. Ultimately, what we hope to gain as a community is a variety of tangible and impactful solutions. And who better to represent application within the CCI sectors than our very dear friend and CCI guardian, Wafa Belgasim. Wafa is an expert in cultural and creative projects fundraising. She is also a researcher interested in topics related within the arts and culture financing and cultural policies in the MENA and Africa region. She is the co-founder of Culture Funding Watch, a leading enterprise dedicated to capacity building and intelligence gathering and monitoring art and cultural financial support and supporting art and creative enterprises in the MENA and Africa. Wafa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Abdullah, for having me. Would you please share with us a little bit about your background? Whoa, long story. <laughs> I'm an archaeologist by training. Uh, and also I did study in urban and architecture and, and an MBA. Just to quick my background, I started in cultural creative industries, but very soon exposed to the issue related to project design, access to resources, and a long time ago, I just realized that this skill lacks a lot within our, um, let's, let's say, traditional curriculum in our countries. And so people who come from the cultural creative industries, when at the end of their study and when they are like on the job market, that we found ourselves completely helpless with no skills in management, funding, finance. And they just realized that, that that's, there is a gap and that's where I could fit and where I could may have added value. And that's where I completely changed my career to fundraising from archaeology to funding and finance. And where also the idea of CFW start was born in my mind. On the topic of funding, we all realize that it's a crucial element for giving life to ideas. But do you see it as the main challenge in the region and why? I wouldn't say that. I think access to finance, it's as equal important as having good projects. Because you, if you don't have the good project, the good business model, the good financial strategy, like idea project, you can't fund it. So I think they go together. A good idea without funding, it won't work. And the funding without a good idea, it won't work. And do you think in the region specifically, for example, whether it's in Tunisia or in Lebanon, maybe in the Gulf it's different because they have better functioning governments, lucky for them, uh, that there is a lot of dependence on international nonprofit organizations to fund these projects on the creative and cultural sector. Do you see an end to this dependence on European or American funding? Or is there some kind of a way where we can create a sustainable model of funding within the creative industries? I think there are two uh, inherent problems related to that. First is access to information. There is a lot, actually. Even I dare anyone in any ecosystem in our region to be capable to have a clear 
vision or visibility on who's funding what, or, or at least a global understanding of the flow of resources that is in the city. To be able to say, do we really depend on international versus national? The problem is there is a lot of resources put in the form because people confuse, there is a tendency to confuse resources to grant. So most of the people when they talk about financing cultural creative industries in the MENA region, they're mostly talking about grants. They don't talk about the technical assistance, the incubation, the mentoring, the uh, sponsoring, uh, lots of support, the Messina and other ecosystem, they call it Messina. So especially what, what comes from the local organization or local philanthropist or funder, we have no visibility at all about that. And I do believe there is a lot of resources in there. So I can't say, but in general, in many ecosystems, sometimes it's the only, as you mentioned, the international or um, international NGOs or funders are basically the only one funding the art. And that's a problem. This is one of the things that CFW is um, um, fights for, and that's our vision. We help try to help build financially viable ecosystem for cultural creative industries. And when we talk about a viable ecosystem um, financially, that means that an ecosystem that it's not dependent. It's like any economy. You cannot talk about supporting an industry when the industry depends on foreign fund investment. It will never take off. Like how you want to be competitive. You don't expect your competitor to fund you to become competitor to us, which is fair enough. I'm not criticizing uh, international aid. And as I said, aid is good, but trade is better. So if there is a way to get out of it, it's to work on just what I said, building more financially friendly ecosystem to in for our industries. And that will work on, uh, will need a lot of investment in data, research, uh, creating the spaces where those who need just a little push or who want to support to become funder or investor, but also, as you mentioned also, us as a community become creative, come up with new solutions, new models. I can tell you about something in CFW, but that's one of the things actually we work around for CFW. Like we create space so that when the art um, meet with those who they work in the art. We do intelligence, so what's new in financing app, the new mechanism, new tools, NFTs, blockchain, um, the financial incentives. So we make those tools easy, accessible um, to everyone and including potential local funders and policymakers. But we also try to innovate and come up with new ideas. One of the ideas we're right now testing is a platform called Art and State. And to make it simple, the art and state is the Airbnb for art spaces. So that it will help creative spaces maximize their revenue and create a new income stream with the existing infrastructure. Plus, if this if it works and becomes real Airbnb, the idea of the art and state is that 30% of its annual profit will be used to create an international fund for the art. So that it's the community itself that generate unrestricted revenue for the global uh, community, not only in the MENA. We're talking art and say is worldwide uh, concept. So that will not depend in political agendas or development program. That's um, income that it's generating as long as there are people using the art and state to book art spaces or to go for production spaces and the rehearsal spaces, revenue is generated. That's a way of innovative, sustainable, 
not um, uh, development-related aid uh, uh, resource creation. Okay, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Why is it important to create art? It's like you're asking me why you're breathing. I mean, you're, I'm not the right person, I'm not the objective person to answer these questions. I mean, I think the value of the art has been in debate for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. It started, I mean, if I remember, I've been, I mean, I'm very old now. So I remember I was there in the first, <laughs> in the first I can't. I can't interrupt you a lot in here, but you're not that old, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so I remember the first debate was about what's the value of the art and the first insistence uh, on discussion were more in the inner and the social value of the art and creative sector within the community, whether it is well-being, uh, um, collaboration, openingness, um, tolerance, intercultural dialogue, all those values. But and. Over the last 10, 12 years, a new discourse came will also, its economic value is raised with the first UN CTAB report in 2009-10. And then the discussion was more focused on its economic value. And that was one of the problems, for example, myself, I was at that time raising the flag and saying, guys, the danger is we will focus a lot and only on the economic value and who will lose side on the most important, in my opinion, which is the social and the individual well-being. And, and now the debate is back. So now we're talking more after this economic value being widely accepted and adopted. Now we're coming back to talk about more the social impact and the impact measurement of the cultural development. I'm very happy with that debate because we will now have a bigger value, a bigger understanding of the value. It's not only the economic it's really, I think in my opinion, it's the soul and the backbone on which you build sustainable, responsible, tolerant societies. I mean, when this episode is out, already COP27 would have wrapped up. But when we're speaking sustainable uh, uh, ecosystems, specifically for the arts and the creative industries, how do you convince someone who invests solely in uh, fuels, uh, carbon fuels, into investing in the creative uh, and cultural industries, keeping in mind that the return on investment, whether it's fuels or real estate, etc., is not the same as investing in an opera house. But actually, you know that when you knock the doors for support, you have from start to do what I call it the due diligence or the, um, uh, I would say the coherence and the ethical check. So if you are in the art, I don't think <laughs> that you would be knocked at the door of someone uh, or some organization that maybe the investment policy will not align with your policies or with your vision and mission. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the issues, for example, lots of clients come and see CFW about issue of access resources. And 90% of the failure is related to a syndrome, I call it knocking the wrong door. So I think it's a lost battle to talk to someone who won't understand that or are in the sector that they will not, they're not really open. Let them come to you and start focus on one someone or some sector who understand, who have at least some link to what you're doing. So um, I think why go into the hard? Why go into the hardest? Start because in our ecosystem, there are other sectors, industries that has links to what we do. 
which the communication be much easier for us to approach these people before going to other industry was really far from what we do. It saves time and energy. I'm very pragmatic. I'm not saying that it's not possible or these people don't understand. There are many international foundations that are linked to big oil company or mineral or extractive company. And that's another debate about, we call it brand laundering uh, <laughs> related to that. But let's don't go that and be very pragmatic. If you want to really convince, um, have more art supporters, start with those who have some affinity, those you feel that they just need a little bit of push by creating the space for them to meet their peers, by making the information available to them. So, okay, investing in this and that, that's the kind of impact you can have. And I think it's all, again, back to the data, access to information. We don't have data. I'm not only talking about the economic data about our impact, even the social. There are very little investment in uh, building cases for us. And that's also linked to the wrong financial policies for cultural creative industries. Because we talk a lot about cultural policy. We design cultural policies. But we don't think about the financial strategies to implement those policies. Uh, most of the cultural policies are thought in terms, okay, I put program and objective, and then I have a budget and I spend it. Wrong. You have to be strategic. You have an ecosystem approach. So if you look at any ecosystem in the MENA region, you will not find an easy, identifiable uh, support mechanism to support this kind of research and impact and study. You will not find someone who's going to fund that kind of things. Because... The strategy, the financial policies now is just, okay, the fancy thing today is cultural entrepreneurship. Everything is an incubation. But what, how do you incubate where you don't have no one to invest in those incubies? But and Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, and unfortunately, uh, one of the first ways for them to try to come up with an answer of how, what do you, what do, you do after this incubation process is they bring people like PwC or McKenzie to inform them on decisions that are not necessarily in line with the social aspect of the uh, and the social impact of uh, the culture and the creative industries. It's not only about the economies of it. It's not only about the profit and loss part of it. Absolutely, and the, and even I want to give. I mean, I really, I want to insist on the importance of this concept of financial po strategies, financial policies, the mechanism. The mechanism you use, whether it's a grant or technical assistance or a mentoring, to channel a support for a cultural creative actor, whether it's an enterprise or an NGO, it doesn't matter, impacts directly whether or not the desired objective of your program, of your policy, will succeed or lose. For example, very little people pay attention to this today because the main financial mechanism used to support is the grants from culture, main cultural policies. The, the, the way that this universe and this mechanism works, it's actually shooting the opposite, I mean, um, design, how to say, bringing the opposite objective. I can simplify. Now, what's going today? You have a program, you got a grant, you implement an incubation, you've got a, a pool of uh, enterprises and entrepreneurs. While you work in a country and your objective, the announced global overall objective of your policy is to support the cultural creative industries in your country. So what happens? In an ecosystem, there are players who need support, who got grants, 
There are who don't doesn't need that they are doing very well, even at a small scale, but they are independent, which is excellent and good. And there are those who are doing good, but they need a little bit of push to accelerate and invest. So what happened today? And of course, the means that exist in our ecosystem are limited. So it's not everybody who has access. Look how the system, when you don't pay, uh, pay attention to the Bayeza, it will harm your ecosystem. So if you are on the grant mechanism, so it's going to happen now. Those who do uh, incubation, what's, uh, when they, uh, beside the access to resources when you are an incubator or participate in this kind of thing, there is the whole other benefits like networking, visibility, being invited. What happened today? If you are doing very well in an ecosystem in the MENA region or a global south in general, and, or if you don't, you're not lucky enough to access funding, you're basically punished for not access for funding and a grant because you will not be invited in every single those networking event because everyone will be inviting only their grantee. So there is a contradiction in the discourse. Those, we encourage you to be independent, to do business, sustainable business. So when you are doing a sustainable business, you are not supported at least in showcasing and be mentioning as entrepreneur in the list of this kind of things. So actually what's happening now, those who are doing very well, they are not being very enough. I mean, they only count on their fight and their effort. They are not being supported even for those basic, simple visibility, networking, connecting, being mentioned, because they are not the grantee of X, Y, Z program. And that's, it's, it's, it's an opposite discourse. Do well, be independent. And if you are independent, then you lose all the visibility and the connection and the networking because you're not the grantee of someone. So if we are not aware of those bayaza, we are actually shooting your strategies yourself. Oh, I, honestly, I couldn't agree more. But in your opinion, you meet with a lot of these uh, individuals or small enterprises within the CCI sectors that, do you think that their first hurdle that they only think of is money and they think that if the money is there, all the problems will be solved? Uh, from which side? From the side of the supporter investor or from the side of the entrepreneur and creatives themselves? The entrepreneurs and the creatives themselves. But the entrepreneur, of course, because they are into mm. the thing. So for them, as when I get the money, everything will work. And many of them will learn it the hard way. It's not only about money. From the, uh, let's say, policymaker, supporter, and investors, no, they got it. after Over the, at the beginning, like four or five years ago, yes, it was about just putting the money in. Mm. And then, uh, but it's the same, the hard way that, well, it's not enough. There is more than money to uh, help an enterprise or an entrepreneur thrive. It's mainly even the international country policy, the international trade support program. You can have 15 zillion thousand in your business, but if there are the legal framework, the administrative framework in your country or in your ecosystem does not allow you to upscale or to start your business, there is nothing you can do about it. And we have a lot of those examples and unfriendly, I call them hostile ecosystems. Mm. Hostile ecosystem for CCIs, like I can say in Tunisia, it's a nightmare to pay anything in international and currency. How can you have a business when you cannot pay in, in, in dollars and euros, suppliers, partner, client, consultant? 
it's extremely hard pay outside but even receiving the money you have to justify every single dollars that get into the country can you imagine a small sme for every 200 dollars writing a letter to the central bank so that the money get into their account what is the point in making these difficulties happen i think for case of tunisia it's of course in most of our country it's currency control it's it's very important like for the government to control the currency in and out in other contexts, the pretext is uh, money laundering, which is it's unfine by mechanism. There must be a mechanism of control, but they must be proportional. Like you cannot justify $100 in revenue by a letter and a copy of the contract and the invoice and sending to your bank and your bank sending to the central bank. Can you imagine? I have this is honestly, this is my problem with the idea of oh, this might be money laundry. Is so much, so many shackles they put on the small businesses and the individuals, but then you still have money laundering happening with billionaires and zillionaires. And I'm like, how are they jumping through the? Is it because they have better lawyers than we do? Like, I don't understand why. Absolutely, because they have better lawyers and accountant that you do do, and I do because we're doing our accountancy basically ourselves when you start. So mm. you don't know you you're not aware, and it's so time consuming. Like. And time invested in this paper because eventually you may do it, but it takes, I mean, I don't have a full-time person to deal with this. I can't afford to have someone who's just doing paperwork, at least when you start as a small enterprise. So this is what I call the hostile ecosystems. So it's time consuming. It's hostile. Uh, you need a lot to learn. Why are you still in the industry? <laughs> because I'm a pain in everyone's <laughs> life. <laughs> You're a beautiful pain in this case. No, like what keeps you going? And Wafa, I've known you for like almost two years now. And touch wood, I can't bang on wood now, but mashallah, mashallah alayki, you have an incredible energy. And I know you're always busy. And I know you're always drowning and overwhelmed with work. But where do you find this fuel? that helps you continue and not lose sight of the bigger picture because of all of these hurdles? Yeah, um, I'm stubborn. I'm like, I don't let things go. That's one of the, it's a, we have, uh, yes, in Tunisia, we call it a, 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 the, the Arab dog. Al Arabi, when you give him a piece <laughs> of meat, you don't let it go. I'm basically that kind of thing. So I, I don't let it go as long as I have to succeed. When I have, an objective, I and the more people make it harder for you, the more and then I insist I will make this happen. So it's just and I'm from a tribe. I'm a whistle tribe, you know, and I'm from a tribe that is very well knowing uh, in Tunisia for its stubbornness and resistance to any kind of form of authority. <laughs> so. I didn't think I would love you more, but now I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of last questions. If I'm speaking to Wafa Belgasim as Wafa and not as CFW, what is the project that you would like to see materialize for Wafa? I have a crazy idea, and I don't, I don't, I didn't have time to do it, but that's in my to-do list for next year. Uh, I wanna do my stand-up comedy, which is a course in fundraising, but in the form of stand-up. You, will you do the stand-up? Yes, okay. I will perform. Great. 
<laughs> you have a first audience member. <laughs> Thank you. I've been writing like because the way I teach when I'm, I'm training and resource mobilization, I basically do it in dancing, changing the lyric and very popular songs in the from uh, Egyptian songs. And then I realized that it's really something I can do. I may make it fun. You can laugh by learning resource mobilization. So I said, let's make it a stand-up. And they have actually a producer from Broadway. We have already an idea like we need to sit and write the script. That's fantastic. I haven't seen you in person yet, but I can see how magnetic you are. So I can't wait to be one of your audience members. Thank you, Abdullah. <laughs> Thank you. One last question. You've been in this industry for quite a while. So what do you think is the most common misconception about CCI funding that you would like to correct? I think the most misconception that it comes after. The, mm. And even when people, uh, yes, even the, I work with foundation and funders and incubator, and I always tell them the access to funding does not come after you take the entrepreneur through the journey of these the idea design, business model, Canva, and then, okay, now funding. Completely wrong. The strategy to resource, and it's from day one, because it has to be inscribed in the DNA of the project idea from the start. After, it's too late. And all the time when NQBs, I do the training and most of their comment back to the organizer is, we should have had this session at the beginning with her, not at the end. Because their whole business model has to change based on the analysis of the resources available. You don't adjust, you integrate. I always compare financial strategy for your business as like um, um, seeds. There are different seeds put at different level a different as a stage of your business that you have to plan from the start. After five years of operation, you come to access resources. This, I call it mission impossible. And I turned back. I don't type client who has been operating for five years just on grants and eating money because it's not because they are bad or it's because actually it's too late. It's like a plant. You, mm. you come to me when it's dying. There is nothing I can do for it. It's too late. Do you think there is a hesitation to share these ideas with possible funders because they don't trust to share their ideas in advance? There is a lack of trust? No, I think because there is misconception because people, when they think about funding, but I, that's why I don't like the word funding. I like mm. resource. Financial sustainability, it's not about only grant. And that's the big problem. So mm. there are other ways to mobilize a resource, to make your business model sustainable without having grants. Like you see CFW, it's a, a purpose that the first four years of operation, we did not raise any grant. It's not because I don't know how to do it. This is my business for 20 years. It's mm. because that's part of my strategy. Incredible. We say in Arabic, that means may we have many people like you and follow your example. Wafa, I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you for really being the guardian of the CCI sector in the region. And we can't wait to see and stay in one of your art spaces very soon. <laughs> Thank you, Abdallah, for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too.